Lunchtime hour, straight up noon here with Gresham Keefe. And it's time to do what we do each and every Tuesday. Talk to our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tom E. Kern at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. To the Harbor One hotline we go. Tommy Kern, good afternoon. How are you, friend? How are you? I'm great. Having a great Tuesday. Well, uh, it feels like uh, that it will be a uh, pretty boring trade deadline for the Patriots. I know we have until 4 o'clock this afternoon. What is your read on what could, will, or won't happen here in New England? I think there's so much ambiguity about this team right now at 4-4 and and sniffing around the playoffs and really trying to figure out what they have in-house that it's unlikely that they can declare that they are either buyers or sellers in my estimation. You know, the two guys who would be most likely movable would be Isaiah Wynn or Nelson Aguilar, just because of the tickets that they carry and their uh, salaries. But with Wynn, you really can't move on because you need that depth, even though he's making so much money and still is not, you know, really trusted to be a starter at this juncture. And with Nelson Aguilar, same thing. I mean, who's going to want to pick up that level of salary from Nelson Aguilar, which I believe is $9 million prorated over the next nine games? Um, Who's going to want to take that on for the contributions he'll make as your fourth or fifth wide receiver? So, you know, and, and I honestly can't think either, Rich. Where do you think the Patriots, other than offensive line, what demands new staffing? Linebacker, maybe? Yeah, maybe. And it's funny because Gresh and I were kicking that around, too. It's like they could definitely upgrade at a lot of spots. But when you factor in the cost to get that player and you got to make sure that they're better than, you know, say the wide receivers that they have or the linebackers or the D linemen, it just it seems kind of unlikely. And speaking of the receivers, Kendrick Bourne was in the doghouse now, I guess, seemingly out of it. He played a lot, although didn't really do anything at all against the Jets. Is that a guy that could be on the move just because it seems like everybody was waiting for this big year two boom and everybody looked at the numbers and like, oh, and you look when Mac throws to him, this QB rating is like 150. Well, this year there's been nothing there between the two. Could they move on from him? They could. You know, the folks I've spoken to who know, you know, the mindset behind exactly what Kendrick Bourne would like to have happen he either wants to be more involved or go to a place where he would be more involved. And, you know, he's in a situation where he's not featured. I I honestly, you know, looked at the numbers from last year, 55 catches on 70 targets. It's astounding how efficient he was and said, he's going to be okay. If they're switching to the Shanahan offense, he'll be Debo Samuel-esque. I look at Josh McDaniels who extracted that efficiency out of him and say, well, would he be pertinent out there? Do they need another wide receiver though, to confuse some matters out in Las Vegas, they got issues enough, but Kendrick Bourne certainly looks like a guy who is either not doing what the Patriots want exactly, or someone that they just aren't able to work the ball to. And there's so much that's been in flux with this offense right now. I think that's even TBD. Is it on Kendrick Bourne? Is it on the offense? Is it on the play calling? Is it on the quarterback? 
We don't know. And that's why I think that this is just a lot of treading water will will happen today with the trade deadline. Isn't uh, it amazing that we are eight weeks into the year and we're still asking the question, what is it? Like, I know you just you very casually mentioned it's the Shanahan offense. If it is, it hasn't looked like it only but for a little bit of time on the zone run. And is it the wide receivers, the offensive line, the quarterback, the offensive coordinator? It feels like, Tommy, we're perpetually stuck in preseason questions when it comes no to this offense. Yep, and, I, and that's kind of what Bill, you know, foresaw happening and tried to express to us as the – training camp and, and preseason went on. This is going to be a work in progress. We won't know what we are for a long time. We were just on a conference call with Matt Patricia, and I said, look, you guys are 29th in the NFL in red zone, 17th on third down, which is actually highly respectable for some of their other numbers, like 24th on first downs. They have 16 turnovers, which leads the NFL. Interception rates the worst in the NFL. Do you at least know the why of it when you look at these things? Can you at least diagnose what the illness with the patient is. And I think they're getting closer to it. I think they inevitably have to get closer to it because they started from such a low point. But when you look at Mac Jones and we evaluate where he is and we have our misgivings about what we're seeing and where he's going, they have so severely retarded his progress this year. And the injury didn't help. But, but everything they did contributed to his regression. So that's why I sit here optimistically saying he's going to be better. He's got to be better. It's inevitable that he'll be better because he's not this bad. Well, based on all all that you just said, what does Mac Jones do well right now? Great question. Knows what he's looking at. Gets the ball out quickly, and if he doesn't, takes the sack. I mean, you look at that Jets game, and yeah, it was (laughs) – you hate to see him turtling that often, but on watching it on television, you can't see the coverage downfield. And if you're taking six sacks and you're getting over your offensive line's getting overwhelmed, it's never going to look good for the quarterback. But, you know, to hear the coaches tell it, Judge in particular, I mean, find his sound actually was interesting from uh, his, his time with the media today. Said he had a really good game decision making wise. He was outstanding. He saved us a lot. He understood the game situation and took it on the chin when he had to by taking sacks. You hate to say, "Hey, wow, we got a, we got the best sack taking quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> folks." Here we come, David Carr. Uh, <laughs> rev up the duck boats. Uh, Joe but, Burrow said, "Hold my beer." Yeah, he's like, "I can do that." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but so, I mean. Yeah, so it's. I hate to say it, it's in the fine print, Rich. What yeah. he does well, you can barely see it. If uh-huh. you squint and tilt your head and hold it up to the light in a certain way, you can definitely see it. Uh-huh. But that's where it is. Yeah, it's tough. Is Bill? <laughs> uh, no, but <laughs> you want no, no, I, listen, no, I, I, was, I think it's. The, I think it's the right answer. I'm not saying it's not. It's just like it's. And I understand there's so much that goes into it, and we've been, you know, for weeks talking about the play calling, talking about the offensive line breakdown, the wide receivers not getting open. But it's still, it's the most important position in sports. The guy's going to get all the credit in the world if they win. And when they're losing, like, they're going to look to him and say, well, you got seven picks on the year. You got another handful that probably should have been picks. You know, at, at some point, you know, it is on him to play better. 
Well, yeah, and but that's also like himself. saying that they're going to run it back with all these guys next year because no one else is the problem. Like that's the that like Tommy. Well, they ran was, it back from last year. They just brought in Devontae Parker. That was basically well, it. but they also changed the OC. Like that's the to me that's the <laughs> that's real the part. Th- that's the thing is that it feels like it keeps coming back to you change the offensive coordinator and it's the. What is the point of all of this? Tommy, through eight eight games, have you figured out what the point is in all of this and where they do want to get to offensively? The point of having Matt Patricia as the OC and the play caller? Yeah, all of it. The messing with Mac, your O-line's leaky. By the way, the play caller's got to fix that, allegedly, and it hasn't happened right. yet. Like, that's the that's the mind-numbing part of all of this is that if offensively they look pretty good and they took strides, I know one guy left, but it's the you changed everything for a reason. What is the reason? Because through eight weeks it doesn't look like we're going to get that answer. Because you wanted to make the offense more user-friendly and better down the line. So you put it in the shop and you got it up on the – the lift and you monkeyed around and now it's back on the road and no one really knows how to drive it. But down the road, (laughs) once everybody figures it out, it's going to move better. So that's one portion. And the other portion, why is Matt Patricia the offensive line coach slash play caller slash offensive coordinator? Because Bill Belichick, frankly, was sick to friggin' death of losing coaches, whether it be Mick Lombardi or Brian Flores or uh, ostensibly Gerard Mayo at some point or Matt Patricia or Josh McDaniel. It's been a constant raid. You know, go to Bo Hardegree, and I can't remember the guy's name who was here during the Cam year, who went to Arizona State. Oh, uh, uh, Judd Judd Fish, Jed yeah. Fish, yeah, yeah Jed Fish. So yeah. it's just a litany of guys who are here. Hey, Bill, uh, let me start my four hundred one k. Bye, Bill. I'm heading out. I need to do a rollover. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know. It's been constant, and I think the easiest thing in the world for Bill to have done would have been to make Nick Cayley his offensive coordinator, and then we would at least say, okay, there was a there was a progression there that we right. understand. Even yeah. though Nick Cayley's a young guy, it makes sense. With Matt, there hasn't been, and there have been bumps along the way, but he's been better than we anticipated. And the one thing about Patricia, or at least I anticipated with his play calling, and the one thing about Patricia is, I think he understands his shortcomings and works hard to fix them. I'm not saying he's good. He's probably, you know, somewhere between 25 and 32 with the NFL in terms of play calling. But maybe he has upside. Right. I don't even know. And I'm curious about this, too. Do you think he's the long-term answer? I wanted to ask him that, but I know I'd just get a, a bucket of words thrown on my head. Well, and we, Do you want to yeah. be this? I Do also- you want to be an O.C.? I also think uh, Josh McDaniels could be available sooner rather than later for a return as well if things continue the way they are with the Raiders. Now, I don't know if they would jumble that up and what they would do with Patricia, but I think that's certainly up in the air. I know Tom- Their effort sucked the other day. Oh, yeah. By they, the way, they, if you watched sh- the film, the effort sh- was horrible. Shut out by the Saints. I mean, we talked about that when the Patriots shut out Dan Campbell and the Lions. Like, any kind of shutout is going to get the owner's attention because that mm-hmm. doesn't happen in the NFL anymore. Like, you just you score points no matter what. And so that was certainly a strange one. I know, Tom, you've been very steadfast in Mac Jones as a much better quarterback than Bailey Zappi. But I'm curious if there's not a roughing the passer penalty and the pick six stands and it's 17-3 to at half, do you think it's even close that Zappi comes in for Mac at that point? I don't, just based on 
the evidence submitted since the pick happened. Why did it happen? Like on the face of it, it looks absolutely mind-boggling, disgusting, distressing, and a benchable offense. But then when you realize it, well, it kind of actually looks like Mac made the right read and Jacoby Myers went inside when he should have gone outside. You go to the sideline and your offensive coordinator is not going to say, well, that guy made a mistake. You're benched. Mm-hmm. I wonder about the wisdom of an option route to the outside at that juncture, but also too, you should be able to in week eight execute that play with a second year, first round quarterback and your best wide receiver. So I, I don't think that, I think it's, you know, ride or die with Mac Jones. And then next year, if it's something that they don't like the look of for the next nine games, they bring somebody else in. I just can't see Bailey Zappi ascending to being their answer at quarterback in the same way. I think that the Washington Redskins resist the idea of, Taylor Heineke being their their starter. Do you think that them being super conservative after they got the 15-yard penalty was because they were afraid that their receivers might run the wrong route again or that Mac Jones might screw it up and they might not be able to get three points? Don't leave out the old line on that, too. They stink, too. Yeah, let's get this thing in the barn. Okay, we can't watch this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at what they did. Look at what they did coming out at halftime. Right. You go empty with, you know, you know, five guys blocking that offensive line, which was crushing you, and you go up tempo. And could Bailey Zappi have done that at this juncture in his career? No. So the cure that was applied in the second half to the maladies the offense was suffering was something that Bailey Zappi does not have in his medical bag. Ooh, good use of like med- good use bag. of medical bag what there. That was the whole thing that Ooh, a medical knee? bag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Major League Baseball for a period of time was doing replays where they were running out like it was uh, 1940s World War II with like that little bag with the flop (laughs) on it and you get on the phone or the headset or whatever. Tom, can the Patriots separate from the middle of the pack this year or is the middle of the pack in the NFL here to stay and we'll have a couple of bad teams, a couple of good teams, and everybody else will be Mets and Mets? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the middle of the pack is so massive that <laughs> there's no way to get out of it. I mean, it's 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 just there are three teams in the AFC that you would identify as being better than average. Where are my standings? I have them up here somewhere. Oh, there they are. Uh, and I you know I can't even say Tennessee is, but you know it's Buffalo and Kansas City are the two best teams by far. And then you have Tennessee, Baltimore, Jets, Miami, Chargers, New England, Cincinnati. That's that's the next group. Can you tell me if the Patriots are better than Tennessee or worse than Cincinnati or the same as Miami? I, I don't know. So you have two good teams in the entire conference. And then all the way down to Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, and Houston, those are established bad teams. So there's three crap teams, two good ones, and the other 11, if my math is correct there, could be wrong. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Just put him in a steel cage match. Yeah. As Bill Belichick has always said, it's a week-to-week league. This year is actually proving it, considering all those teams in the middle. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston. He will be with Maloney, Fourier, and Mego on Thursday at 4.30 and then with us on WEEI Football Sunday. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Good stuff. That was fun. Thanks, guys.